0: Hello and welcome. This is Connie Reagan Green from HugeProfitsTinyList dot com with another call in the podcast series. Today I'm very very excited to have James Jones with
1: me. Welcome, James. Hello, Connie, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I'm thrilled to, to have you here finally. I've been following you now for probably close to two years, and. Finally we met when we were both speaking at uh Dennis Becker's Earn One K a Day event and I was just so so excited to see that you were gonna be there and then to meet you and to be able to give you a big hug.
1: Well, yes, and that big hug was <laughs> much appreciated, so thank you very much. I was having a rough day that day, so
0: Oh, were you? Oh, I'm happy. sorry sorry to hear that. And you know, it's interesting that you know, when we do the business and we go to these events, I you know, I go all over the country and international now and um you know, people don't know what's happened right before or you know, what could happen later, and I, I think that's why we always have to be gentle and, and loving with everyone that we meet. Absolutely. I really feel that way. So now you live in North Carolina? Where? where Charlotte,
1: at? North Carolina, yes.
0: Charlotte, North Carolina, okay. And how did you come to do things on the Internet? Which, what's your background?
1: I've been doing this for a long, long time. I started off in the 80s doing um, bulletin board, marketing on bulletin board systems. So then okay. I graduated from that to uh, to the online services, CompuServe, Prodigy, AOL. I was placing classified ads, and the AOL classifieds as early as '94, '95, and then from there had my my first website I put up in 1996, and just grown from there.
0: Amazing. Well, you know I I know Marlon Sanders pretty well. He was doing similar things. Did you know him then?
1: I did. Yes. Absolutely, I've known Marlin since uh probably mid mid nineties.
0: Wow, wow, because I first knew of bulletin boards, I guess when I just was in the classroom so eighty seven eighty eight eighty nine and you know things were very primitive then, and the people on the bulletin boards that I went to um some of them were nice and would be helpful, but very quickly i would get lost with what they were doing and so i didn't i didn't stick around because it seemed like everyone was speaking their own language and you know i i didn't know how to speak
1: <laughs> i ran into a lot of that too yes there was a lot of um it's much more open now people are more willing to share now it seems back then there seemed to be a lot of people that they didn't want you to know what they were doing
0: everything everything was a secret yeah. Now very, very now different. they'll
1: tell you what the secret is but they want to they want to sell it to you. <laughs> but that's okay. That's
0: so true. That's, that's, that's
1: democracy, you know?
0: Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. Well, you know, as things progressed then, how did you, you know, move move forward and decide to do this as a business? What were you doing as work before?
1: I was in the restaurant business in the eighties and early nineties. Uh from there I went into to banking of all things. Uh <laughs>
0: Not not robbing banks. I'm I'm hoping. Quite a
1: leap. No, I skipped the robbing banks phase. (laughs) Although evidently the my people, the people I was working for, they I think they were kind of robbing (laughs) people, but I I didn't know about it at the time. Um, So uh, from from restaurant, I mean from uh, from banking, then I started working for a small software company, and I did that on purpose. I wanted to find. um, I knew I wanted to start developing my own software, and I wanted to to work for a company that was already doing that and learn all the little things that you need to know. I knew how to program. I knew how to put a program to get it together, but I didn't know any of the other stuff, and I, I really wanted to get the full picture. So I worked for them for about two years and uh, pretty much figured it out. So then I went off on my own on October of 2002.
0: Wow, but I want everybody listening to to hear really what you were saying, that you were willing to spend that time working for a company so that you could learn things to kind of fill in any gaps that you might have had in your knowledge at that point. Is that right?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, of course, I was getting paid for working there. Yeah. But I spent two years there just learning the ropes.
0: Okay, so the message, I think, for everybody is be patient, and if you have that opportunity to learn something that you know that you need – you know, don't don't feel like you're missing a big opportunity because you're not doing the online thing full time. Learn what you can, because I mean, look at how long then you've been doing this,
1: James. All this knowing time. knowing now or yeah, no. If, if I had known then what I know now, I would have been happy to have paid someone thousands of dollars to let me spend a couple of months in their business. Just learning the business that would have been extremely valuable, even more valuable than the education I got because the education I got cost me about two years of time, right, and it was very gradual
0: okay, all right, so then how did you how did you decide you know what you were going to do online, what you were going to sell, how did that all come about?
1: Well, let me tell you how I decided when it was time for me to to leave that company um, as soon as my offline income met my regular job income. That's when I decided to leave. Um, but I just studied the markets to figure out what I wanted to do. Looking to see in forums what questions people were asking, what problems people were having, and just coming up with solutions for those problems. And it's still uh-huh. the same thing I do today.
0: Okay, so you were a true um, weekend marketer is, is what I call my program where um, you know people want to make that transition – and we talk about, you know, when is it time to make that jump? And for you, the right time was uh, when, when your online equaled your offline.
1: Yeah, I'm, I sent out an email, and I remember the exact date. I remember everything about it because it was a Sunday. It was January the 13th of 2002, and I had been collecting email addresses for a while. And I'd sent out a few emails, but I didn't really understand email marketing. And I developed this product, and I sent an email out, and I sold $1,000 worth in one day. And I said, okay, that's, I, know, I know it's time now to, to start looking about getting out of the company. So then I spent the next few months uh, building the business, my business up, and it didn't take very long before I was matching the income that I was making at my full-time job.
0: That's, that's exciting. I'm intrigued that you can remember uh, days and dates. Um, I have a friend, Mary Lou Henner. Uh, she used to be on television on Taxi and stuff, and um, she has that, that kind of memory
1: yeah, she's got the um she's I, written I her the her on, on sixty minutes, uh redactic memory, I think is what it's called. Yes, um, yes, so she can remember and she's also ADHD.
0: She is, and so I
1: think that plays it's something. just amazing.
0: Yeah, she has something called Highly Superior Autobiographical Memory and she's one of like a dozen people that have been, you know, really um the research has been done on them. The studies have been done on them. That they
1: yeah. That they I'm not quite to that. the level she is. I remember. I remember dates of things that are important, important in my life, and I can remember like what I was doing that day, and like I know I, me and my girlfriend at the time, we went to the park. Uh, I know what we did. You know, in the park we played frisbee with the dogs, and you know stuff like that. But that was because it was a very important date to me.
0: Yes. Yes. All right. So what happened next?
1: Uh. Well. 2002, October 2002, I I, started working totally for myself, and it just went up from there. I mean, it just every year my business has grown. Um, you get to a point where I was working out of my home, and I got to the point where I was doing probably about half a million dollars a year by myself, and I couldn't do much more by myself, and so that's when I started thinking about hiring employees, and so I brought my first employee on, and I had hired people before in the restaurant business, so I kind of knew how to look for good people, and the person that, the first person I brought on, uh, she worked out well, but she was kind of a flake, and she she didn't stay very long, and the, the second person that I brought on, um, she, um, she didn't last very long either. The third one, though, she stuck. I hired her, and... <laughs> I think it was uh, 2007 or 2008, and she's still with me to this day. Oh, great. So most most of the people I've hired since then are still with me because I've kind of learned the ropes on hiring people. So the more people I've hired, the the higher my income has gone up. So basically I'm just replacing myself with other people that I train to do what I would normally do.
0: Okay, and – you know, I think this is a real sticking point for for so many of us, you know, and I I went through that where I had people locally that I had hired and for some reason I thought they needed to live in the same city I did and that ended up not being true at all in my case. And I I was kind of at a loss though what exactly did I want them to do for me?
1: That's and that's a big issue. You got to know and you got to write down what you want someone to take over for you and some things are just not appropriate to to offload to someone else. Like I don't offload really things that are very, very important to my business, like, for instance, emailing my list. That's just too important to give to an yeah. employee to do, so I do it myself.
0: Right, uh, and like my writing. I wouldn't let anybody do my writing. I want all that writing to be
1: done by me. Okay, and that's if that's something that's important to you, then, yeah, you've got to do it. I, for me, I hate writing, so that's one of the first things that I outsource. I've got someone that, that does most of my writing for me. Uh, although I do my email copy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as far as people um, outsourcing not locally, I have found for me that it works much better for me if they are local. Um, I can explain stuff much easier if I'm in person where I can actually show them as opposed to having someone that I never see and having to explain something over video or webinar. It's it's just very, t- very time-consuming. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I had purchased
0: the. Oh, go ahead. Sorry.
1: um, I'm sorry. I have um, one programmer that's remote. I have one support person that's remote. Um, They're both in the United States, and the rest of the people work in the office either full or part time. Okay. When I decided to hire my first employee, I decided I needed to get a small office, and I did that because I wanted to be able to meet with the employee regularly, and I didn't want them coming to my house. Yeah, and so that's when I decided, okay, it's time. And, I, and at the time, I was also getting burned out from working at home. I've been working at home since like from 2002 to 2007, so for five years, and I was getting a little uh, claustrophobic. <laughs> I, I needed to have, I needed to get out of the house and have contact with with people. So I found that I work better when when I have a situation like that.
0: Okay, all right. Well, that will be very helpful. To people to, to hear this. Well, I had purchased your uh, Kindle triangulation program, and just the name was very exciting, so that I think goes to show how important a, a title is for anything. And then when I dug in, oh, it was just you know fantastic and perfect for what I do. How did that product come about?
1: Well, that came about in the summer of 2011 because uh, Kindle, I'd put up a lot of PLR books, like everyone else had, And a lot of them, or all of them, really got blocked. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to start over again, and I'm going to figure out how to do this the right way. And so I came up with – I I went over the PLR books that I had up, went over the reports that you get uh, showing the sales. And I noticed a couple of them that were selling really well. I had 450 books at one time. So I was doing well just selling one or two books of each title a month. But there were certain books that were doing much better. And so I, I spent a lot of time analyzing those books. Why were these books doing a lot better? And what I noticed was the books that were doing better had been on the first page of the Kindle search results. And I thought, okay, that's probably a good, a good thing to be on the first page. And so then I started looking at the topics, and I started doing keyword searches in Kindle to see how people were finding the books and how – what keywords they were using that would bring the books up to the first page. So once I figured that out, uh, I figured out what markets they were, and so I developed more products for those markets that were that were uh, unique content and not just PLR. Uh, and so that's how I figured out how to do all that, just by doing it.
0: Yeah, which is always the very best way to do things. And you do things under your name there?
1: Uh, no, I use pen names.
0: Okay, and are you concerned with reviews? I I've had a problem with sure. one of my books where I've got so many people that come in and re- leave really nasty, mean reviews on it. It's on affiliate marketing, and I guess it's because of the topic. I don't think they're picking on me, or they would pick on all my books.
1: Yeah, it's probably the topic. And is that a topic that would sell? I wouldn't think that would sell very very well in Kindle.
0: Yeah, the the paperback version of it, you know, sells really well.
1: Could be. I mean, I just because. A physical copy book sells well on Amazon or on CreateSpace doesn't mean it's going to translate on the Kindle. Right, right. Um, So I haven't tested a title like that in a long, long time. But I know when I put stuff out there, when it was PLR stuff, it it hardly sold at all. Okay. But as far as bad reviews, if you've gotten one bad review and no good reviews, say, or lots of bad reviews and no good reviews, the best thing to do is just take the book down and figure out why they're leaving bad reviews, fix those Problems and then bring the back the book back under a different title.
0: Okay. Okay. Because if you got bad, re-
1: you get a lot of bad reviews. There is nothing that's going to help it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's that's great. Great advice for this. And you know, where do you see everything going with Kindle? Do you think you know five years from now? Do you think people will still be doing things on Kindle in a in a similar way?
1: Uh, no. Everything's going to change. <laughs> it's you know five years from now. That's like. That's like a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, think about five years ago. Uh, oh
0: yeah, very different.
1: Seven. Yeah, so 2007, Kindle had not even come out yet. Um, you, there was no way you could sell a book about, uh, I don't know, horseback riding. I mean, it wouldn't sell hardly any now. And you could sell tons of them on Kindle. So it's completely changed. I think it's going to go. I think they're. Kindle is going to take a real hard look at independent publishers. Um because that seems to be where they're having the most problem as far as content issues and terms of service issues and things like that. Um I think people um, um independent publishers are are going to get slapped really hard again.
0: Okay, because and that way have d- to,
1: and one of the, one of the ways I think you can protect yourself is to uh to start getting ISBN numbers for your books. Um uh, start registering the copyrights on all your books. That way you can prove that you are the you are the owner of the content.
0: Okay. Okay. And yeah, also looking at other
1: looking at other places like um iBooks right now, the you know, the uh the Apple iBook store that's starting mm-hmm. to look really promising. And they already make you jump through a lot more hoops. You have to have an ISBN number. Um, the formatting is not nearly as straightforward. It, it, it takes a while for your product to go through a review. So it's harder to do, but since it's, it's harder to do, less people are going to do it, and so there's going to be less competition.
0: All right, yeah, because I started my own publishing company um, about a year and a half ago. You know, For some of the reasons you're talking about, I really wanted more control over what I was doing, and I've really been very happy with that process, and I see the difference.
1: Yeah, one thing I would caution you, though, is uh, if you've got a personal account and you open a publishing account, uh, make sure all the information you've got is, is different because Amazon will shut the, the account, both accounts down if they see that you've got duplicate accounts.
0: Okay, yeah, because I know you were talking about that. At
1: they're real strict event. about that. I have don't really know why they're so strict about duplicate accounts, but that's one of the things that really they they don't like at all.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be sending everybody over to me forward slash Jones, J-O-N-E-S. What will be there when they go there? I don't
1: know because that's they're, <laughs> what they're going to go to is our seven dollar weekend special. Okay. And the seven dollar weekend special is different every week, and I don't know what it is until around Thursday of each week, because we have a, a like a contest each week with our with our members and our buyers. They vote for which product they want to see as a special. So Tuesday tomorrow we'll put seven products up for voting. People will vote on them, and whichever one wins will be out on Friday.
0: I love that idea it's It's fun. it involves people in in the process, and uh I know my people are gonna be very excited to see what's there on the day that they go
1: and they'll save a lot of <laughs> money too.
0: Yes, yes,
1: normally, yes. the products uh range in price from twenty seven to up to ninety seven dollars
0: okay, very, very exciting. Well, what's coming up next for you, James? What kind of things are you going to be creating, or what can we expect from you in the future?
1: I'm starting to look at games now. Ah. Game app uh, for uh, iPad and iPhone and Android.
0: Okay.
1: Starting to get some ideas on stuff to do and how to how to create not just a game and not just an ebook, but create a brand. You know, how to create a a series of ebooks and then spin off a game based off those ebooks.
0: Oh, I love that. I love and that where you is, yeah. take then it then to the next level.
1: Yeah, and then start merchandising other things too. Okay. So that's sort awesome. of my plan for 2013. I want to get everything wrapped up 2012 and then start working on that.
0: Okay, wonderful. Wonderful. Well what advice would you give to someone that's, you know, really just starting out on the internet and, and wants to build a business similar to what either you or I, you know, are doing?
1: Do something. <laughs> do something. People will procrastinate about stuff and I, I I hate this phrase. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've got a friend that tells me that. Every time I talk to him, oh I'm going to do this. He never does a thing. Do something. <laughs> Anything. Put up something, even if it's a complete failure. It, it's still it's still going to teach you something. If you never put up a WordPress website, go put up a WordPress website on some topic, even if it's just a topic that just interests you and no one else. Just put it up just to get the experience.
0: And that's great advice because I always tell people don't try because if we say that we are going to try to do something – there's not much chance that it ever happens. because no, we
1: don't, we try. You, do it. you don't <laughs> you don't try. You do it. Do it. Yeah. You, what, one one thing I tell people is the biggest piece of advice I can give to anyone is fail more. Yeah. You need to fail more because if you're not failing, then you're not trying because you're, you're or you're not doing because you're you're going to have a lot more failures than you have successes, especially when you're starting out. So if you've only failed one or two times. You you're not you haven't failed nearly enough.
0: Yeah, because I you know I learned that kind of early on that you know with with my students that I needed to share more of those failures because they were starting to think that everything I did worked out well and made money and it was because that was the only part they were seeing the only part I was talking about I didn't even think to share my failures and once exactly. I started doing that they started doing more because they saw well that is part of the process and it's okay it's important.
1: And also reevaluate what you consider to be a failure. You know, you might put up a website and it only makes three dollars this month, and you think, "Well, that's a complete failure." Well, no, it wasn't a complete failure. It made three dollars.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, that's more than most websites make. So evaluate what's actually working, and try to tweak that to increase that. People Wonderful. give up. That's another piece of advice. People give up way too soon stuff they don't make money right off the bat they're just they're gone they're done
0: yeah and i and i know that for sure because i was that type of person before i came online in 2006 and decided to make this work i was someone that if one little thing didn't work out i would be discouraged and i would quit and it was easy for me to justify it in my mind and that's why i had never truly been successful until i came online so i know what that's like and it didn't feel very good
1: no, but if you reframe that in your mind to where your failures are not really failures, they're just learning experiences. Yes. And every failure gets you closer to the success, then you'll just want to keep failing. Just keep trying stuff, keep, as Connie would say, keep doing stuff, keep <laughs> failing, and then finally find success. You know, when I started doing Kindle books January 2008, I think the Kindle came out around Christmas of 2007. And I discovered it in um, January 2008, and I immediately thought, wow, I've got all this PLR content, uh, all these eBooks I have PLR rights to. I'll just throw some of them up and see if I can get some traffic to my websites. I had put up – like I had a website about uh, bird watching, and I had a website about Irish crochet, just all kinds of little (laughs) niche websites that I had promoting these – these ebooks that I had the rights to, so I thought that I could use Kindle to drive traffic back to those sites. I wasn't even interested in selling the ebooks on Kindle. I was interested in getting the traffic from the Kindle listing. and so I thought what I could do is I'll put a link to my website in my description of the book on Kindle, and that would get me a, a link back to site. Well, that didn't work out because it actually uh, it actually worked for about an hour. Mm-hmm. And then when Kindle found out I was putting links in, they disabled all the links and took them out. They didn't say anything to me about it, and they didn't slap me. They just took them out of the description. So I thought, well, that's not going to work. Let's try something else. And so about a month later, and I did several books like that. About a month later, I got a deposit from uh, for royalties from Amazon. I'm like, what in the world is this? It took me probably an hour to figure out what it was. And that was from those books that started selling. I thought, wow, this is this is pretty neat. And it was very small, it was maybe uh it was maybe eighteen bucks or something. Mhm. Just barely made their minimum for the uh, for royalty payment. Yeah. But that told me that was working. And so that's when I started putting up more and more books. So that came that idea for, for that came from trying something else that failed.
0: And you never would have known if you had I never would have known it. if
1: I hadn't done that. Yeah. I hadn't taken the time to set up the account and put the books out there just to see what would happen.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, James, thank you so much for taking your time with us and I want everybody to check out what's there on the day that you go to Connie me forward slash Jones. J O N E S that is. All right, and have a wonderful, wonderful day, James.
1: You too, Connie. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun.
0: Thanks so much. This is Connie Reagan Green from Huge Profits Tiny List. Be sure to subscribe over on iTunes to the entire podcast series.